0: Hi, welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Collins. This week, I'm going to talk about pets. Um, and obviously, it's just my opinions on it. Um, there's a wealth of information out there. And first of all, I just want to say that um, to be to be completely honest, um, if if someone has listened to um, any of these other arguments, especially Gary Francione's arguments, and you've heard what he has to say, and you still don't agree with him, or you still can't understand, or you know, you don't agree why we shouldn't have pets, then I would just like to say that nothing I say is going to change your mind, because as far as I'm concerned, nobody says it better than him, but I want to share my, you know, this podcast, I just share why I feel this way, Um, I think it's useful for me, and maybe for people to understand, in my own words, um, why I B- believe that also, so that's what I'm going to try to do today, and um, and quite frankly, um, it's really up to you whether you f- just feel the same way or or not. Um, I just I do I I do agree w- uh, with uh, the fact that we should have no domestic animals um, including companion animals despite how much I love them and despite how much I enjoy their company and um, I also want to reiterate that um, anybody listening to this who utterly objects to the concept um, well you don't you will never have to live in a world without billions and billions of companion animals and I urge you if you love them so much to please try to provide a home for as many as you can and yes please um, prevent them from reproducing uh, the best way that we have possible today and I'll talk a little bit about that too because people have objections to that and um, I know um, Jordan's asked me a few times how I feel about that so I'm going to answer that but before I begin and I'm going to try to make this not too long I want to just say that I've mentioned a few times about when I've tried to talk to people or when I've had these um you know my practicing out there in the community and I and I f- focus it seems on the on the bad incidences I just want to make it very clear I have very very good experiences as well because um I don't want people to think that uh, it's all bad the reason I talk about the um the more discouraging um attempts at um engaging in discussion with people is um is because they're the ones I learn from, they're the ones that make me realize how how much I have to learn and um, they're the ones that make me think. Um, So for example at the party last, the weekend before, or last weekend or whenever it was, where the woman was extremely angry and defensive um, about me mentioning that I was a vegan, Uh, and then she basically I i said sh- well the, the com- i'm not going to do the whole conversation um i did the best i could um she got very very defensive right from the beginning and um and then sh- when i started we were talking about i think it was right after we talked about how i said look it's healthy to be vegan it's not the point that you can eat meat that that's irrelevant you can be a very very healthy vegan so you have this you know you have this um you have this alternative and she was trying to say that she she was really poor and she lived with her brother and that she couldn't tell them to oh i don't know she's a grown woman so i said you know can they force you to eat the meat i mean can't you you know stand up for yourself a little bit there and basically it got to the point it was very short where she just walked away she said we have to end we have to stop this and unfortunately she didn't mean we have to stop this animal exploitation she meant we have to stop this conversation right now she just walked away from me And I said, okay. I said, just think about it. She said, I will. And then she avoided me for the rest of the night and that was fine. But then I spent the rest of the night having a wonderful conversation about animal rights, veganism, and um, amongst other things with um, two of my friend's husbands um, who we had, you know, I spent the whole rest of the night talking about it. So I didn't you know, that was wonderful and I got to really express myself and share my views and we had discussions about it so that was good but the reason I talk about what happened with the lady is because I I'm always analyzing what you know what could I have done better and you know you have to realize there's some people you just can't get through to um, you just can't they're they're so resistant to the idea they're just gonna walk away well you have to let those people go um, I'm sure that I had a um, a good talk with these guys and made them think um, about some things. Cause they allowed me to talk to them and we can only talk to people who allow us to talk to them. You cannot, you know, you can't tie somebody in a chair and, and put a bullhorn in the air. Unfortunately, if people want to walk away from the conversation, they will. So that that's part of it, too. Uh, that noise is my washing machine. Sorry, uh, my washing machine is hooked up to my kitchen sink and I'm doing my washing right now. So, sorry about the noise. Alright, another thing I wanted to mention before I get into my topic today is I want to um, once again thank William Paul for coming on my show last week. I'd like to say that the TV station did receive my email. I made sure they did. I rang them and they, actually I had to resend it because it pro- I think it might have been just deleted the first time, but she said, oh no, no, we don't delete them. And So she received it. She said, yes, I've got it. She read some of it. She read the title to me and said, is that it? And I said, yes. And then um, I said, okay, so what happens now? And she said, oh, well, I said, do you have time to respond to everybody that you, uh, if you're rejecting the story? She said, no, we don't have time to do that. So I said, so basically, if I don't hear from you in a few days, can I assume that nothing's going to be done? And she said, yeah. And that was a few days ago. Nothing was done. Um, I'm not hugely surprised, I did my best, and um, I will say, though, that, you know, the f- I think it was yesterday, I was talking to William, or the day before, and a girl made the mainstream Good Morning New Zealand, or whatever, TV show, because she had some green bits in her hair, and she got sent home from school, so that made the news, <laughs> so there you go. I'm not surprised, it's, it's all very, um, (laughs) it just reinforces the truth that we are still really, really far behind, we need to get, we need to get this out there, so, um, you know, please, please, vegan activists, do vegan activism, all right, Um, and I want to also mention that another thing that came out of the interview with William is that I got a really nice email from somebody who and I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her name, Uh, it's Jean Ostrowski, thank you Jean, Uh, she told me about this Vegans Children's book written by Ruby Roth, and um, I want to get the title, it's called That's Why We Don't Eat Animals, Um, because we had mentioned, me and William were talking about the books that are available to the very young generation, they're really a key reason as to why it's just you know, well, why it's, um, the world is the way it is with regards to animal exploitation. anyway, I'm sure many other things, but anyway, this is a, um, a book, a children's book for very young children, she's a teacher, Ruby Roth. um, it says book about vegans, vegetarians, and all living things, and Peter endorses it, but the point is, someone's written a vegan's children's book, Um, Let's hope it's 100% vegan, I have not bought the book, it's not available yet but um, it says vegetarian and veganism. It's like we just can't seem to get away from that, but never mind. I'm still very, very happy that this book is being written. I hope that people give it to their children. I saw some interviews with these kids, these American kids, talking about the book because um, she was a kindergarten teacher, and they talk about how you shouldn't wear leather shoes, and the kids are like, we should wear shoes that are not made out of leather. So it seems to me to be on the right track. I'm not sure, quite sure how far the vegetarian in it vegetarianism in the book goes, anyway, good news there, I'm really thrilled, this this is, I mean, yay, <laughs> we need more, um, so I actually sent a letter to Ruby Roth, the author, to see if she wanted to come on the show, and um, I haven't heard back, she's probably being inundated with, um, I'm always trying to get people on the show, because otherwise it's just me all the time, and also there was somebody else I wanted to thank, oh yes, I have found another abolitionist vegan in New Zealand, I am absolutely thrilled, because I have met some other people who are, who say they're into Gary Francione's um, abolitionist approach, and they say all these things, but yet they still, you know, just a little bit support the animal welfare groups, or whatever, so for me, it's, um, I mean, I'm not, you know, it's not a judgment, or, a, oh, I just gotta go get my washing really really sorry about the noise it's just unavoidable I have to do this podcast now because my schedule is crazy and I have to do my washing anybody who lives in New Zealand knows you know you gotta you gotta take advantage when it's not raining well in Auckland anyway so this is just gonna be part of the podcast today. But anyway, what was I saying about oh yeah. So there are you know, I haven't met anybody who's who 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 is as unequivocably supportive of abolition and unequivocably opposed to v- to welfare the way I am and the way all the other um people who are trying to um promote vegan abolition uh education are um that have their own blogs and there's links on my side and, you know, um things like that, so I, I haven't met anybody who who says that, I mean, you know, there are people who say, no, I really am into the abolitionist idea, but we still support such and such, just not all of the campaigns, or this or that, or the other, and, um, and I think, well, you know, um, then you don't really fully agree with, with me, but I found two, there's William Paul, and there's another person who found out about me, and their name is oh gosh, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I promise, I said, is it okay if I shout them out, because I'm so excited, okay, Jalitha, um, Vithanaj, all right, I didn't pronounce it right, um, they sign themselves as Vish, so let's say, shout out to Vish, New Zealand, abolitionist, yay, in Wellington, not only is, yep, right there with us, but is, is willing to do, um, uh, activism, so, uh, we just need to find one other person in Wellington, so they can do it together, I mean, you know, w- you can do it on your own and everything like that, but I'm still really keen, I mean, I just have this happy little vision of being in a park <laughs> with my little table and my pamphlet, um, I really do, um, you know, on Saturdays and stuff like that, once I get a little more free time, I really want to do that, it's, I would love to do that, I really, really would, and, um, so hopefully Vish will too um, because the information's there, you can just download it and that's all you need, you just need those pamphlets. Um, I want to be able to, to show, to take my laptop and show people the um, videos from AbolitionistApproach.com because I love those videos. So anyway, that's just really, two really great pieces of good news. So now I've got met two vegan abolitionists in New Zealand who, are um, really into this idea, and all the other people who, you know, who, who are, who agree with the idea and everything, I would urge you to, um, well, I don't know, I mean, if you really agree with vegan abolition, you you don't support, I mean, I, I support vegan education in as much as the big groups do anything that's vegan education, but it's just so hard, because it's such a small portion of what they do, and there's so little energy put into it, compared to all of the welfare campaigns, that I really can't, I hope you can still hear me, I really, I just, um, that's why I avoid even mentioning these groups, um, Uh, just because of the, you know, the small amount of vegan activism that, that they do, I really hope that the, the vegan activism that they do is, is helping anybody who is following their welfare campaigns, and hopefully will go vegan, I mean, we, I don't know, I mean, point is, I don't, I don't support, I don't support the big groups anyway, Um, group, group mentality can get a little out of control, in in my opinion, Um, okay, so that was the other shout out that I had to do, Oh, right. And there's one more. Um, Adam. Adam. And he's got a, n- a nice last name as well. I'll give it a go. Adam Kochanowitz. Okay. He has a Vegan FM. It's a website. Pu- I've put it on my site. And he also has a, a website called abolitionistvegans.org. And I've put that on my site. He started an abolitionist vegans um, website. And he has a, a vegan TV Uh, sort of broadcast an internet TV show and he's just started and um, so there's another one Um, I'm really I can't wait to see the next episode so I put the links on my on my on my blog it's vegan tv and then he also has one called abolitionistvegans.org and that's Adam adamkochanowek I probably pronounced his last name wrong, and um, he, uh, hopefully he's going to come on the show, he's not shy, he has a TV show, so I'm going to get him on the show as well, Um, and he wrote an email to me, and so, um, that's, it's getting very, it's really cool to hear about this stuff. Okay, I think that this washing machine situation is a little out of control, I'm going to, get back and start talking about pets once it finishes. This is terribly unprofessional of me, but anybody who lives in Auckland and has been here for the last week will understand the importance of this washing that I'm doing. Alright, I'll be back in a second. Hi, I'm back. Sorry about that. Okay, I hope that you understand. Alright, now what I want to do, I want to talk about pets and um, how how I learned about the concept of not having pets, uh, it was something that didn't cross my mind. It was a totally unimaginable thing to think and when I I saw Earthlings and anybody who's seen Earthlings has seen part 1, part 1 of Earthlings is about pets. That's the title of it, that's the introduction, that's what it's about. So even after watching part 1 of Earthlings I still didn't, I didn't come to the conclusion that we could just not have these animals that we have brought into our world. We could, you know, not, not breed them by the billion and we could actually have a hand in um, controlling their population. This is a very convoluted, complicated issue. And like I say, um, nobody says it better than Gary Francione, but I'm just going to explain it because I have talked about it a little bit and I'm, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that this is going to be the most intelligent discourse. All I can do is talk about the way I think about things. And um, anyway, so and it was a totally unimaginable way to think for me. Um, and it is for a lot of people, even after seeing part one of Earthlings, things, which you would hope that you would come to the conclusion that it would be a better idea. But you see, you know, it was just it was something I didn't even imagine that we could, could do. I just was thinking, well, we have to treat, you know, we have to treat them better, right? So, when I first was introduced to the abolitionist approach, and I went on there, and I started reading, and the first thing I read was that we shouldn't have pets, I was like, what? You know, what on earth? What? And then I read a little bit more, and it was just logical. So, go there and read that, but let me just explain a little bit the way. When I, when I first digested it, I thought, that's just so wrong, because um, mostly it was just a knee-jerk reaction, you know, like, um, that's not fair. That's not fair to us people who love animals and love being close to them and and to those of us who do provide them with a good loving home and see the joy that they have in life. And um, like I've said before, if you want to know what enlightenment is, watch an an animal, Um, not necessarily an animal that's suffering in factory farm, okay? But um, if you just watch your um, companion animal, they know how to enjoy life on a very enlightened level and the joy that they have and the beauty that they are. Um so it was mostly about me one not wanting to miss out on that. But then I also thought it wasn't fair for them. I said, but that's not fair. I mean, you know, they they love life, you know, they're they're so happy and they play and they bask in the sun and and then I realized that the amount of suffering, of well, once you get more into the philosophy behind the property status, um, and you get into that, you realise it's it's an unfair situation for them. They're very lucky if they have um, somebody who, who really truly um, uh, provides them with a good home. I think a lot of people think they do, but they don't. I think that people need to change, as I said before, the fundamental way they look at all living things. I know people who are quote-unquote loving pet owners but who still relegate them to the status of the lesser things. And I don't agree with that. So even somebody who is very close to me, as far as they're concerned, their cat is a cat and is therefore lesser on the scale and, um, you know, they, they do get spoiled and they love them or anything. I'm just talking about the fundamental way the fundamental way they look at them. I mean, I watch people walking their dogs uh, down the street and they have to be kept on a lead um, and it's jerked around their neck. And to, in today's busy world, they're just dragged along and they can't even stop and have a little sniff around. I mean, people don't they just yank them. I mean, you know how many dogs I've seen just yanked by the neck? when they've stopped for a second because the person's busy talking on their cell phone, running down the street, and they have to walk the dog because, well, that's what you do when you have a dog, but they're not really giving the dog consideration, you know, at all, and I look at these people, and I know that they're probably quote-unquote good owners. They probably get all the vaccinations, and they take them to the vet, and they probably provide them with, you know, food and shelter, and I'm sure they provide them with love and companionship in as much as it, as it as it suits their schedules, even my cat has to um put up with um you know my lifestyle and um and my priorities and um she has no intrinsic you know control over her life I don't know if I used that that word right. So it's a complete and utter dependence, and it's to a, it's an it's an unfair level. And just watch people walking their dogs. One one person I've seen in the mornings when I got the early bus. I had a job where I had to start really really early, so I caught a bus that earlier than I normally did. And this man, um, I live on a street that's um, it's got native bush um all along one side of it, and it's um, it is a quiet street. And so he um, anyway this this is an old Labrador, and um. The man uh, just is just wandering along and the Labrador is not on a lead and he's sniffing around and whenever the Labrador runs off the track and goes and sniffs in the bushes, the man just stands there and he just looks around him and he enjoys it and that's how you walk a dog. Okay, that's how you walk a dog. Um, As far as I'm concerned, you don't drag them along a city street, yanking them by their collar. And the problem is, is that for a lot of people, that's the best that they can do because their lifestyles are not conducive. Our world is not conducive to animals in any shape or form at all. And then when you think about the billions and billions of animals that are companion animals, that are absolutely living horrific lives, I mean, a lot of them are bred for food, okay, If, a, if a play, I remember, um, I was having a conversation with my brother, and he was talking about how, um, oh, maybe Chinese people eat cats, and, and he said, you know, um, if the cat disappears off the street, you know, people's, people's cats might disappear, he wasn't being um, xenophobic, he was quoting a fact, that yes, Chinese people haven't been known to eat cats, um, it's, it's no different than us eating sheep, but however um and he was and he was saying, you know so you know if people's he said if people's cats disappear, maybe um Chinese people are eating them, and you know I just turned to him and i said. Well, number one, or like another thing I want to say about living in New Zealand is the cats live outside they get to go outside and come inside, and people are very oh cats are wild animals and da 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 well they um a lot of them disappear i I cannot count the amount of little posters i've seen on this on the po on the street uh, just in this neighborhood that I live in up and down Dominion Road with missing cat missing cat now that cat is either been. Killed by somebody because they are victims of of, of malicious um, you know acts of random violence. Uh, my mother's cat was shot with a BB gun and came home, uh, you know, disappeared for a couple of days. Was hiding, terrified in the bush. Came home and somebody had shot her. As she survived, it hit her shoulder and, and the ball fell out and she was fine. But this is what I'm talking about. There's no protection for them. Um, maybe the cats that are missing were hit by cars. Maybe they were um, attacked by dogs. Maybe they were hurt by other cats. They hurt each other very 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 badly anybody who has a cat that goes out and fights with other cats I mean they can kill each other and um, it's in their nature to to fight over territory and in the the natural the species that they are is the um, you know the feline um, whatever the Latin (laughs) <laughs> proper name is feline something, right? And in the wild and in Africa, which is the real f- felines that our domestic cats are related to, they have huge territories and there are fights to the death, but in our world they're living on top of each other. And when they're allowed to go outside and then you have the stray cats, the tom cats that are born in the wild and are struggling to survive, they're beating up and almost killing um, the, the other cats. My mother's cat's been to the vet countless times with abscesses and terrible wounds and that's in their nature Um, but what I would like to say about my brother is I said to him look you know (laughs) they don't need to steal you know somebody's family pet that would be dangerous and stupid they can just breed them I'm like if they're eating them they're just breeding them there's no law against breeding cats and eating them you can breed and eat any animal you want Apparently. I mean, it's even legal to still kill polar bears up in, you know, you can come up with any kind of excuse. Um, they have great excuses for killing polar bears up there in Canada in a certain part that's allowed, and they take big game hunters out for an exciting polar bear shoot, I heard it on the BBC, it made me want to scream, and their excuse was they're culling them, because they're, that, in that particular part, because the interview said, well, aren't they endangered species? Yes, but not in this part, in this part, if we didn't cull them, they would be out of control, and they would be overpopulated, and la la la, that's the reason why people annihilate deer, and that's the reason why New Zealand possums get annihilated, well, I'm going to do another sh- podcast episode on this, because this is a huge issue that, there's um, is another thing I've thought about, but anyway, I'll get away from the whole Annihilation of the quote unquote pest issue, and I'll get back to the pets issue. So, so cats, um, yeah, lots of cats here die pretty horrible deaths. Um, you know, in as much as they are, um, have a home to go to and they are well fed, I'm sure they enjoy their lives. Um, the what you know, the ones who are lucky enough, the small percent of the total who are lucky enough to have a beautiful home, I'm sure they enjoy their lives, and I'm not denying them that. And it's not out of, you it's not out of wanting to be a controller or, you know, I. it saddens me, you know, that, um, you know, I think of a, of a world without, um, I think of a world without domestic animals and I feel happy with regard to the lack of suffering. I just think it's sad that we as a species have uh, messed things up to this point. Um, so, I just try to remind myself that most most animals, even those in quote unquote well cared homes, are not really given the considerations they deserve because people have this fundamental way of looking at them. But I would say that even if the world decided to go vegan and everybody stopped eating animals and we um, stopped breeding domestic um, cows and sheep and pigs and things like that, I would still, I don't trust us to have pets. I, um, it still doesn't give us a right to own them. And anybody who goes vegan for ethical reasons needs to realize that it is about the property status of animals. It is about the fact that they're our property and they shouldn't be. Domestication is unfair on the animal and it's, um, it is, it is a, it is, I'm trying to look for a word to describe what I'm trying to say. When I think about it, after I read Gary Francione, talk about it the first time and at first I recoiled and thought what on earth I mean it was honestly an unimaginable way to think I had never been confronted with anybody saying that before and um, but I very quickly um, came came to realize you know the logic and the truth behind it um, and I realized it more um, sharing my home with this animal um I have to be very careful because I am a human and I use certain things. Um, well, I love essential oils and I love to burn essential oils, but I can't do that with her in the house. It's unhealthy for them and um, cats can get very sick. Um, there's all this controversy about essential oils in cats and I don't even want to go there, but you know, just, just try to think about a little bit um, the the absolute control that we have over their lives when they are our property and try to consider the fact that the majority of people don't look at animals um, in the way that they should. They don't give them the respect that they deserve. They look at them as lesser things. Even those loving pet owners, their dog is a lesser thing. And I would also say that, um, you know, even if the world does go vegan and, and people do realize that, you know, if if the world goes vegan for ethical reasons and people realize that animals shouldn't be property, people wouldn't be clamoring to keep their pets. They would accept that it is um, not justifiable. So we have to do this problem solving. And how are we going to do it? Yeah, we're going to have to interfere directly in their lives as we already do. I mean, there's no other way around it. But I want to talk a a little bit about during Hurricane Katrina. This is a high illustration of the status of pets in our society with regard to natural disasters and other things like that. Anybody who was around for Hurricane Katrina, anybody who, I was in the States um, living in New York when Hurricane Katrina happened and um so i don't know what the coverage was like in other countries but the coverage um of it in the in america was was astonishing and i've i've put a link on my my blog and i'm trying to get the audio from it from this so i could post it here what well, what happened in hurricane katrina and in all other emergencies is that animals are not allowed to be saved they are not you not allowed. they were forbidden to take the animals with them, because they said there wasn't enough resources, um, there wasn't enough uh, room, I mean, to be honest, Hurricane Katrina is probably a bad example, because the way that the people were treated was, it was abominable, I mean, there wasn't enough room for the people, there was no emergency contingency plan for the people, but um, the reason I'm using this as an example is because there is this video of a man, of, um, of, um, where Oprah helps one man and his dog, he's a young man, um he was 24 years old um he had had his dog for 14 years and um and he was hysterically crying and um he didn't look like a guy who cried a lot but he was weeping his heart was breaking because they were telling him he had to leave his dog and everybody knew that they were all going to die and all these animals did die because they weren't allowed to take them. So people spent hours saving their animals, putting them on rafts, floating them, only to be told when it was time to get out and evacuate that they had to leave the animals to starve, die, drown, everything. One of the saddest things about what's going on here is that people have saved their animals by putting them on rafts and keeping them out of the water and now they're here and they're not allowed to take their dog with them on the buses because they're just not allowed to people first animals second the man behind you is hysterically crying because you can't get on the bus with your dog sir? we've been waiting here for days for everybody to go with the, the with everybody else so we can get on with the dog and it is close at the last minute we can't take the dog with well, this guy and his dog rescued me off my roof and how long has this dog Oh. He's had the dog for 14 years. He's only 24, so he's had the dog for 14 years. Is he going to get off? Well, we, we're not leaving without the dog. Right? We don't know what we're going to do. All right, guys, we have... We're, I, you know what? I'm not doing this for the camera. We don't give a shit about that. We have a solution for you. Okay. Here's a, here's a story. We are going to send the dogs back. We're going to... I, I want to take the dog on... on um, What's his name? Rafiki. Sorry? Rafiki. Rafiki. Um, we're going to take him and two other dogs that we met here and we're going to send him to a house in Baton Rouge. It's a private house where we're sleeping. And when you get back. <laughs> we get the Baton Rouge. We got to sleep in Baton Rouge. I told you, Pete, was going to be okay. <laughs> I told you, Oh I told you, dog. <laughs> It was absolutely, they had no rights, these people could not take their animals, they could not take them, I mean, that was it, and they were not allowed to stay, they were forced to leave the people who, there were people who said, I'm not leaving without my animal, and they were forced to leave, I guess when it comes down to it, basic survival, but when given the choice, um, I'm sure that people I mean, people did try to save their animals, because they love their animals, I mean, these are people who all eat meat, but you see, that's just the moral schizophrenia, I mean, that's, that's just our moral schizophrenia, I mean, our love for animals is, is, is boundless, and immense, and all-encompassing, we just have to tap into it, and, and apply it to all, all animals, so this guy, watch the video, watch the video, um, Basically, nobody was allowed to take their animals because that's the status that pets have. There was a shooting here in New Zealand recently, and um, the animals, nobody was allowed to take their animals out. They had to leave them. They had to leave them in their houses, and nobody knew how many days it was going to go on. Um, A lot of things, a lot of the times with these pet owners, um, I know, they are very blasé. They say, well, I remember I had a conversation recently where, first of all, it was mentioned to me that the, um, the SPCA was going in and making sure that the animals abandoned during this shooting siege were okay. And I'm thinking, well, why were they even left there? Oh, well, they're just, you know, we, they couldn't be taken out. It was an emergency situation. I, was, I said, well, you know, they're just, they're just second class. They're not even second class citizens. They're not even part of the moral community. Even people's loving pets, you know, they're, They're nothing. They're just like your chair and your table when it comes to a a situation of of life and death. the Accommodations are not made for the animals because they're renewable, replaceable resources. That's the way that they're considered. That's the way that they're considered. Now, Hurricane Katrina, like I say, the resources weren't available even for the people. The whole thing was... unbearably tragic fiasco, but it's not the only situation. I mean, that's generally the way that it is. Um, Pets are considered, um, with regard to their status in an emergency, you just leave them behind because, oh, well, you can get another one. Oh, I know it's sad, but it doesn't matter. If it was your daughter, your human child, of course, all things would be done, even if they were not there um, to try to to try to rescue them, um, as as equally as, as they would try to rescue another human, um, so I remember this woman was telling me, and um, she's a friend of mine, and I'm not trying to badmouth her, we just, it's just another example of a conversation I had, that. I actually wish that I had, oh, I always think of these things afterwards, but you see, I'm only just started doing this, so the things that I think of afterwards are, are things I can use next time, and it takes the first time before you can learn the things you need to say so she said you know she was going on about how she felt the cold and how awful it was for her to feel the cold and then we started talking about her cat because we were talking about the SPCA going into this shooting zone and I'm like well why is the SPCA going in there why are the animals not being brought out oh no because it was emergency I just didn't see the logic I mean if if it's such an emergency and it's so dangerous the SPCA shouldn't, wouldn't be able to go in anyway so why can not they bring the animals out they just had to abandon these animals and this um, it, was, it was somebody holed up in a house with a whole bunch of explosives in and guns um, so all the people got evacuated and all the animals got left behind um, which is like I say typical um, but she said um, and then we started talking about uh, her cat and I s- and um, she said well if it was my cat you know she's a wild animal um, you know she lives outside most of the time well she's not a wild animal she's a domestic animal I said um, and um, and then she said, well, and I said, well, what about the cold? You know, I think we're talking about my cat. I said, I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to teach her how to crawl underneath blankets, um, so that she keep herself warm during the day when I'm not here, because there's no central heating in New Zealand. And she's from New York, and she's used to central heating. And I don't care if she has a fur coat; she feels the cold um, she feels the cold, so, like, uh, she's not gonna freeze to death, I'm not saying she's gonna freeze to death, I'm saying she's gonna be cold, she's gonna be miserable and cold, why should she be miserable and cold, I'm trying, the reason I have to teach her to crawl underneath blankets and stuff is because she's very traumatized, um, I don't know exactly what was done to her before I took her into my life, but obviously something bad, uh, with regard to being underneath stuff, because she's, um, Still very, very, very resistant to the idea. But it's, she's learning. I'm covering her up with blankets, and she's not freaking out and crying and running out. She's staying under there, and she's realizing, oh, this is warmer. So I'm hoping it gets to the point where when I have to go back to work and leave her for an entire day in my freezing cold, heatless house, she will um, be able to crawl under things and keep warm rather than just sit there in a little ball um, feeling the cold. But this lady said, well, she has a fur coat, doesn't she? And I said, yeah, but... Um, and at the time I didn't think of it. This is what I would have said. This is what I will say next time. I'll say, well, you know, you say you can't stand the cold, right? You have clothes, don't you? So, you know, what's the problem? If you have clothes, then, you know, why play? Just put on more clothes. She's missing the point. You know, the point is, is that why should she be cold? Why should they be cold just because they're not going to die if they're cold? And you know, obviously in certain places they will die of exposure, but in New Zealand they well in Auckland they won't die of exposure, but they'll be very cold. They'll be very, very cold and unhappy. I mean I my heart goes out to all these animals that are living out there, um domestic animals, domestic cats and dogs, um, because they are cold and miserable out there. Um, you know, birds migrate. <laughs> they fly to a warm place. You know, they're not they're not uh stupid. Well, you know, cats Cats and dogs can't migrate, Um, and they're domestic, they're called domestic for a reason. Um, So anyway, and um, I wanted to ask there next time, if I get this opportunity to ask the person who thinks it's absolutely okay to just leave the cat outside because she's a wild animal, she can feed, oh, she can catch mice, and she can, I'm like, have you ever looked at the um, domestic cats that are abandoned? Have you ever looked at a cat trying to survive? Have you ever seen how skinny they are, how riddled with disease they are? I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of fat, happy Um, wild and quote-unquote wild domestic cats okay their lives are very hard there's a lot of competition and they hurt each other and um, yeah they can kill rats and mice but can they kill enough to feed themselves properly in in a city situation with all the other competition I don't think so Um, bottom line is I wanted to ask you so if you had to move and you had, you had not had a chance to organize anybody to look after your cat, and you couldn't take the cat to where you were moving to, because we're also forbidden to take animals to certain places, um, you know, because they're second class, uh, well, they're, like I say, they, they don't even count. Animals are considered the same as your, 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 your watch or your, you know, their property. So um, I was looking for an apartment in, in, in Auckland. The entire downtown area, every single city apartment, and I'm talking it's a blanket rule, that was established, no animals, no cats, no dogs, no nothing, so, if you have an animal, you can't live in there, you can't provide your a, a home for your animal, um, uh, so, there are many, many people, I mean, the amount of times I go online, and I see people who are saying, oh, no, quick, you know, we're, we're moving back to so-and-so, or well, we're moving, we can't take our dog, you know, please, please adopt our dog, because oh, he's going to get killed, right, I mean, these people are, they're moving, and they haven't, organized it properly, and um, I, know, I you know our lives are terrible, our lives don't allow for the proper handling and care of pets unless you're extremely wealthy and privileged, and you can just go and buy, you know, buy an apartment or whatever, I mean, my situation was, it was very difficult for me to find a place um, that would allow me to um, bring um, Buddha, and um, I had to wait, I had to wait until I finally found a place um, where I could, uh, where the owner of the property allowed me to have my cat here, you know, um, they can't do that with children, I don't think, uh, anyway, there's a heck of a lot more options out there for, for, for human beings, as William very, very, very succinctly pointed out, anyway, I feel like I'm rambling, it's, um, it's, uh. I hope this is going to make sense by the end of it, so uh, I wanted to ask this woman, you know, would you abandon your cat then, uh, if it's so great out there and she can take care of herself so well and, you know, if if she's got this warm coat, I mean, she's got a fur coat, so would you just abandon her then because, I mean, everything's going to be great, right? I'm pretty sure she would have said, oh no, I wouldn't do that, that would be wrong. Well, why would it be wrong if everything's so rosy out there for them, why would it be wrong to abandon them? you know, um, if they're they're so able to live in our world, why is their SPCA, uh, you know, all of their gearing is towards telling people, please don't abandon your animals, and they're killing, I mean, the SPCA is slaughtering, you know, millions of animals a year, okay, and so, um, you know, I think that we need to get away from this sort of this really rosy, misguided, disillusioned picture that we have of of these domestic animals, and like I say, those people who are extremely wealthy or even moderately wealthy who are Privileged enough to pr- be able to provide really good existence, or if they have a, a huge amount of property and the dogs are able to run around, and yet they still have a warm place. I mean, a lot of people leave their dogs outside. They they're still considered to be animals. And as far as humans are concerned, animals are lesser beings. They are not on the same level morally, and they don't deserve or merit or need their um you know the same amount of protection from the elements and things like that that we do. Well, domestic animals do. I mean, they are not um you know they're not wild animals. Um. So um, another thing I wanna, now I have to get into, okay, so how do we solve the problem? And this is one that I've, you know, really, really, really thought about. And I know that people object. I mean, a lot of people say, you know, it's so, I mean, the sad thing is that the only way that we can, the only way that we can help them is by preventing them from breeding with each other and creating more. I mean, you know, people who are object to this, I find are people who live in countries like mine. In my country you don't see a huge overwhelming amount of dogs and cats in the streets. People here have dogs and cats as pets. And when I say, you do, see, you do see cats and dogs in the streets with regard to being going on walks, or like I say, New Zealand cats, they run around during the day. And some people leave them out all night as well. And so you see them, but not abandoned. I mean, go to Chile. Did anybody see the video of um, the dog um, in Chile who's uh, saved, um, who tried his very best to save his, his, his um, fellow, Canine uh, from the highway. Um, uh, I've been, lived in the Dominican Republic, and there are dogs everywhere. I've read articles on Greece, so people who are really objecting to this whole—it's oh, just so wrong—to say that we should, um, you know, completely get do away with all domestic animals, so that there are none, including pets. They don't live in these countries where you know you see on a daily basis emaciated beaten, starved, um, diseased, suffering animals by the hundreds in the city streets that are just breeding and breeding, and, um, and the things that happen to them are beyond your worst nightmare, um, just watch earthlings, but, um, also they, they eat them, and the Philippines, um, I saw something that upset me so profoundly, I, I, I mean, I get, I do get upset, and it was, um, uh, you know, all the dogs in the streets over there is the same. They're just out of control Um, because it's not a high, you know, there's there's a big gap between rich and poor. In countries where there's a lot of poverty, Uh, there's a lot of animals in the streets, because people can't even feed themselves, let alone a domestic, uh, you know, domestic animal. And so, you know, go to those countries, and have a little look, and see how many of them you can save, and then have a look at how many are left, no matter how your best efforts are. I mean, I remember this great story about this woman who came back from overseas, I think she was in Indonesia, and she brought back every animal she'd rescued off the street, and she'd rescued like 12 of them, dogs and cats. Okay, so she'd done a wonderful thing, and she, you know, really pulled out all the stops to get these animals back here, and believe you me, it must have cost her tens and tens of thousands of thousands of dollars, because it cost me thousands of dollars to bring my one cat here, okay, and um, and yet look at all the ones that she had to leave behind. Um, domestic animals, uh, the amount of suffering does, is not outweighed by the few privileged who get to live happy lives, and I'm not denying that when they are allowed to live happy lives, they are full of joy and they love life. I'm not saying we should take that away. I will say that something that that does not exist cannot suffer. Something that does not exist cannot suffer. I don't believe in death on animals, I believe that that is Causing suffering, I agree with Gary Francione. Death is harm, so I disagree with Peter and the SPCA who are killing all these animals, thinking that they're doing the right thing. I think that if an animal is alive, it should be allowed to live its life to the end of its life, just as we should. But something that does not exist in the first place cannot suffer, and so now we get to how would we do this ideally? How would we? um, How would we deal? How would we cause this to come into effect? Obviously, because we have billions of domestic animals running around on the planet and a heck of a lot of them aren't in in homes, we have to sterilize their breeding capability. We cannot, you know, we cannot allow them to keep breeding if we want to end uh, domestication. This is an issue that a lot of people have have outrage about um, because they think it causes the animal harm and um, it it is, you know, affects their their life. I'm not going to deny that. It does affect their lives um, to be sterilized, Um, uh, but the alternative is worse. The alternative is worse. So if we cared enough and if we got to the point where we had enough of the population of the world trying to resolve this problem of domestication that we have, The only option we have is to prevent them from breeding with each other. Now, at the moment, the way that we do that is by neutering and spaying. Um, I'm not sure if I would want them to investigate. I was thinking before I started this show, what about? If they do research on how to just put some sort of sterilization medication uh, medicine in the food that was less invasive and that all it did was just sterilize the eggs of the females and that was it and everything would be great but then I think well how are we going to get there well guaranteed we're gonna to have to do experiment after experiment after experiment on live animals uh, before we come up with some sort of um, sterilization that can be ingested orally for every domestic species that exists and so right you know the only option that we have is um, spaying and neutering and it is invasive it is surgery it is uh, involves causing physical harm to the animal Um, the same way that if somebody has cancer you have to cut out the cancer and you cause them harm to save them so if we were to ask the animals you know would you rather be uh, castrated or would you rather be allowed to um, to uh, continue breeding. I mean, if animals were, were were thinking about those kinds of things, which um, I don't know how much thought goes into it. I mean, I don't know. I can't communicate with them in the way that I would love to. The point is is that they may not, uh, and on an individual level, they may not particularly like it. Um, and, um, you know, you're talking, I mean, this is somebody talking who I sincerely love animals, and I don't know anybody who loves animals more than Gary Francione. So if you're very misguided, if you think it's some sort of mis attempt at omnipotence or you know some sort of it's it's out of pure love and concern um their, their their suffering is immense and we've created this mess and unfortunately the only way out of this mess is to directly a, and, and involve ourselves in their lives I mean it's all very nice to be all very self-righteous and say I don't agree to have I don't agree with pets so I'm not adopting any pets and I'm thinking well that's really not um helping the situation because right now there is all these animals that need home what we need is veg- vegan education we need pe- to educate people that domestication is wrong, that property ownership of living sentient beings is wrong, and we need to face the truth, the sad truth. The only way that we can um, stop this domestication and end it completely and get to a world where there are no domestic animals that are our property because all domestic animals are our property. Even your cat that comes in the cat door and goes out the cat door when he or she pleases. Why do they keep coming in that cat door? Because that's their home. That's where they can go to be warm. That's where they can go to be safe. If you were to shut that cat door forever, um, the life of that animal would be severely affected, ne- affected negatively. So they are your responsibility. They're not a wild animal. So we have to face the sad truth. Um, whether we like it or not, whether it offends us or not, that the only way to help them is to um, surgically prevent them from breeding. That's the truth. I believe that that's the truth. If you have a moral objection to that, I would ask you to consider the facts and I would ask you to consider the logic and I would ask you to consider the property status of animals. That's what I did. That's what I do and I got sad and I thought um, it's You know, we're we're gonna be, they're gonna go out of existence, and we're not gonna have them anymore. Well, we we don't agree with killing them the ones that are here. So there's billions and billions and billions of them. So anybody who's all upset about this, well, go out and adopt, you know, me, as many of them as you can, because we haven't even got people to stop eating them, let alone consider the fact that we shouldn't own them as our little private property. So this isn't going to affect your life or your children's life prop pro- probably, but I support it, I advocate it, and like I say, when I'm talking to new people who I'm introducing to the concept of veganism, I don't bring up the pet issue unless they do, and sometimes they do, because they go on Gary Francione's website, and they hone in on that, and I, and then I've already talked about this in another episode, so, so I don't want to, you know, talk about it again, um, but the way that I resolved it, the way that I resolved it was, first of all, I realized that um, I need to stop being selfish with regard to the fact that I love having these animals close to that I can touch um, and that I can um, play with and and interact with. That It is a beautiful thing. Number two, I need to realize that um, something that doesn't exist cannot suffer and that despite the fact that those who are lucky enough to enjoy life, do enjoy life and are full of joy, it doesn't make up for the horrific suffering and the fact that these animals are still property and at any second their their status could change. If their owner dies, what is there for them? How many people make provisions for the animals? Not very many. So you have to remember it's all about, we have to be logical and we have to be fair to them and the, and the, the logic in favor of, getting rid of domestication is against the logic of keeping them because, well, the ones who are happy are so happy. And um, some people call it extinction. Um, I think that that is a negative word to put on it because extinction is, um, it has bad connotations. Um, maybe um pedantic wise, is that the right word? Uh, Speech wise, it is an extinction of an existence, but it's not the same as the extinction of the big cats, which are becoming extinct. I mean, we brought domestic animals into this world. We bred them, we created them with our incredibly large brains and our curious minds and our ability to do these things. I mean, people do insane things, um, playing around with the knowledge that they have learned about nature. I mean, we're cloning things, you know, we're doing all kinds of things. So yeah, okay, we're very clever and we brought these animals in, but that's pretty much irrelevant to the fact that it was wrong to do it in the first place. And if we want to be in any way responsible for it, we have to face the truth that the way to do it is to prevent Breeding, prevent reproduction, and in the meantime, provide homes for every single one. And I don't agree with the killing of the animals. I think it's, I mean, we live in a world where there is enough food to feed every human being on this world. And we all know that. It's just an imbalance of power. There's a huge gap between rich and poor. I mean, you know, this is a whole another issue. Also, we live in a world where we are perfectly capable, if we so desire, to take care of every single animal that's there, okay, there's, if, if we decided to do it, we could do it, and that includes all of the factory farmed animals, um, you know, these are things that I, that I think about um, on, a, on a massive scale, it's, a, it's on a massive scale, but it would take, in order for that to happen, say, for example, from one day to the next, which it's not, it would take every, I mean, at least 90% of the world deciding to go vegan and adopt this, these theories, and then we could do something, and we could all the factory-farmed animals, we could f- put them, um, you know, in, in res- reserves and, and um, things like that. And after, you know, maybe 10 or 20 years, okay, they wouldn't, we, if we sterilized the breeding capabilities, they would be gone. Um, and yes, we'd miss them, but there's wild sheep, there's wild goats, there's wild cows, and there's wild pigs. Okay, that's where they came from. That's where these domestic animals came from. And something that does not exist cannot suffer. Yet those who are exist, that do exist, the billions and billions are suffering. And I think you need to think critically about the issue. Love that. Think critically. I didn't. You know, obviously, I, I did not uh, come up with that um, idea of critical thinking. It's, it's um, it makes a lot of sense to me though. Um, so yeah so people who are um, I mean I'd be curious to know what people in Brazil um, or people in Chile you know animal advocates in those countries who, who see evidence of the animals in the streets we, us in the western countries where people buy clothes for their dogs and have entire houses built for their dogs and things like that we don't have the same extent of, of seeing it live in front of us of watching people take a dog and throw it in a trash compactor while it's still alive or shooting them randomly or wrapping them up in tape and taking them home for dinner those are very real things that are happening in countries um i've seen it on tv i've seen it in movies and i've been to a country the dominican republic where there is an unbelievable amount of dogs and cats in the street and believe you me they were starving, they were beaten, they were dying, they were riddled with disease, they had drooping tails and hanging heads and misery in their eyes and, um, and we are responsible for that, we are responsible for fixing that and That's why I realized the truth behind it and I am very very opposed to domestication and I am very supportive of the prevention of animals, um, of domestic animals from reproducing and I am aware it is invasive. I am aware that we are once again meddling in their lives doing surgical procedures on them. I am aware of that. Uh, It's the only way that we can Prevent the suffering from continuing, and if we cared enough, we would be very as gentle as possible with the surgical procedure. My cat I personally took her; she was seven years old when i um, when i when I met her she had never been um, fixed uh, you know she 'd never been um, sterilized from reproduction she was going into heat. Um, every two weeks or more, um, and was absolutely um, frantic, uh, and she was very skinny, um, because she was at least six or seven, I really don't know how old she was, so I um, said I'm taking her to the vet to get her Spade. is it spade for females and neutered for men, for males, I can't remember, and I told the person, and they said, yeah, go for it, I mean, they didn't care, and as soon as I did that, um, she she had stitches, she was groggy, I'm sure the stitches hurt, I'm sure they itched, and she actually ballooned in size, because when you wait until a cat is quite old before you do the surgery they just double in size and just get very fat very quickly also she's an indoor cat and also she spent most of her life hiding under things so she didn't run around much um, but anyway so here she is she's she's fat and I have to be aware of that I have to be careful of diabetes um, but let me tell you she is a peaceful happy um, she feels safe I mean this is world this world is not a good world for her so I did the best I could and the best I could was to get um, to get her um, sterilized. Now, there was no risk of her being impregnated by another male um, because there was no other male cats living in the house. I don't know if she's had kittens before. Um, if, she does, I, if she did, I shudder to think what happened to those kittens, okay? But I don't know if she did. But when I, when I met her, she was all alone and she was going into heat. Has, if anybody's seen a cat go into heat, a female cat, they are absolutely frantic. They're absolutely frantic, and um, it's a constant thing. They don't know what to do with themselves, and it's not happy. I mean, I personally think she's a lot happier and calmer now that um, I've took her to the vet and I um, got the surgery done and I know it's invasive and I'm not going to deny that but I think you need to open your eyes and minds a little bit and think a little bit beyond your own personal abhorrence or disgust or or whatever personal objections you may have to the surgery or to the methods and really think critically about the issue um, and go, you know if you if you really want to think about it just go online and go to a place like look at look at Greece for example and think about how animals are second-class citizens and even people who treat their pets with all the love that they so call think they can. They still are just the dog and just the cat. In a situation of emergency, they would be treated just like the chair or the kitchen table. And in other situations, and if the owner um, passes away suddenly, um, what's going to happen? Is, is there going to be somebody who cares as much for that animal who's going to do what that particular person did? I am terrified of dying because of my cat, I'm not scared of death, you know, I'm really not, Um, I've, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to talk about that, I'm not scared of death, you know, I'm not religious, so I'm not scared of hell or anything like that, I love life, I don't want to die, Um, but one of the reasons why I am, the only reason I'm scared of death is because of Buddha, because I don't know anybody who will treat her the way she needs to be treated. My mother uh, couldn't take her because my mother's cat wanted to kill her and would hospitalize her. So she had to spend all her time locked up in a tiny room until I finally got us out of there when I finally found a place where I was allowed to bring her. Nobody else in my family... would have a good home for her because she's not an outdoor cat. She doesn't. She grew up in New York City for her whole life. She's only been here for a year. She doesn't know how to defend herself. Um, she has um actually climbed out a window and got attacked and bitten and hurt, um by um the landlord's cat, who is a really tough Kiwi cat who um uh, rules the roost. And he also uh, was was actually he was abandoned and they saved him. Um, and he is a real tough cat. I mean, he did some he did some pretty wicked damage in about thirty seconds, and it was just terrifying for her Um, so everybody else I know who would happily adopt her in all goodwill, has two or three other cats, and all the cats' windows and doors are left open, and the cats go in and out. Um, I know my cat. I know her very, very well. I've gotten to know her. She's my best friend. She would have a terrible, you know, terrifying time there. She would be beaten up, and she'd spend her entire time hiding um, in a dark corner. Um, So um, you know, I'm really, I want to stay healthy and live as, you know, live uh, and take care of her until, you know, I'm going to be so sad. when she passes away it's going to be absolutely devastating but the alternative is me passing away first and that just cannot happen that just cannot happen because I can't guarantee that um, the loving people in my life are going to um, provide for her the way she needs to be provided for and if somebody I mean the only way that I would feel comfortable is if a little old lady who never let her outside and who was very gentle and who was very kind and very quiet, and very respectful of the fact that she doesn't like to be touched a lot, I mean, I'm not as respectful of that as I should be, Um, I'm a very uh, overly cuddly person, I'm like Elvira from, you know, Tiny Toons or whatever, and Bora is definitely not into that, I mean, she's gotten... She she is much more affectionate than she was, but, um, you know, she has to put up with some extra cuddling, I'm sure. But um, another thing I would like to say, and this is something that I've been um, reluctant to bring up, um, because, like I say, I'm trying to get people from going off on tangents and getting away from the main issue of veganism and the main reason of abolition and go off on all these tangents and try to get into me using, like, you know, if I say something like... uh, like something I just said rules the roost well roost is to do with chicken farming and I don't know but um, you know one of the things that um, you have to realize as a vegan cat owner as many vegan cat owners know is that they are the I think the one animal um, with regard to domestic animals and that includes rats and and, um, hamsters and all those things that is um, extremely very difficult um, to adapt to a vegan diet Okay, um, a lot of cats can't do it. People think that it's cruel to do it. Well, if if the, if you're killing your cat by doing it, and if the cat is dying by doing it, well, that's an ethical dilemma, and you have to choose the cat over the horrific slaughtering of the other animals, or you have to choose the horrific slaughtering of the other animals over the cat. Now, that's a dilemma that shouldn't exist, and wouldn't exist if we hadn't domesticated cats. There are, however, plenty of cats who have adapted to a vegan diet, extremely healthy, and there is some great food out there, although there could be more if people cared more. Um, but, um, you know, the bottom line is, is that a lot of cats, um, you know, they cannot do it, and they will get very sick, and you can't feed them a vegan diet, and you just have to accept that. You can't do it. But then again, what are you doing? You're participating in the slaughter and the, the horror and the death, you know, so if we didn't have domestic cats, that would eliminate that problem because we can't all feed all the domestic cats vegan food. Um, a certain percentage of them can't do it. Physically, they can't do it. So, what well, you know, there you go. I mean, there's an ethical dilemma that wouldn't exist if we hadn't domesticated these animals that are obligate carnivores. And um, We could, if enough people really cared and we did enough, you know, um, creation of all different types of food, I'm sure they could come up with much better alternatives of vegan cat foods. I mean, we're a very clever species, but I would prefer if there were no domestic cats at all. And so the bottom line is, you know, it, none of it works. None of it's right. I don't think that the arguments of, oh, it's wrong to, um, you know, it's cruel to sterilize them. We should just leave them alone. Well, I agree with that when it comes to wild animals, but not with domestic animals. Um, I think it's a personal, um, I think that it's, it's, a, it's, it's a personal abhorrence to the idea. Of mutilating these animals uh, in order to um, prevent them from breeding and I think that it is a disgust on the part of some people Um, but I think that they're missing the point and I don't think they're seeing the big picture that's my personal opinion Um, but like I say you know Anybody uh, alive nowadays is never going to uh, see this world where there aren't millions and millions of domestic animals and if you think that it's okay for them to um, go ahead and keep breeding with each other by the billion, then I would strongly suggest that you go out and create a cat sanctuary like that lady did in America for like at least a couple of thousand cats because they breed very quickly and um, their lives are horrific so if you are so against this whole idea, I think you need to take a little responsibility for your thoughts. Um, mean you know I'm not trying to like uh, I'm not trying to goad you or anything I just I don't understand exactly why people don't when when we when presented with the arguments in a much better way than I do for example if you read what Gary Francione has to say you read what um, Roger Yates has provided me with some links and I'll provide them to you and uh, you know if you're not convinced well um, you know I really don't understand why but um, if you can justify it uh, if you have your reasons for justifying it well um, you know I mean I can't uh, say it any any different I mean I I mean, I meet a lot of people who do agree. I mean, a lot of people have written in and, and said, yeah, I really do agree and all those kinds of things. But I know that there are people who don't and um, they usually use the excuse of that it's mutilation and um, it's castration and it's uh, extinction. And I think that they're misguiding themselves from the, um, I do think it's a very personal uh, opinion. I mean, um I know there's people who who don't agree and who might um, try to debate, uh, well there are a lot of people who debate about this, I'm really not that interested in debating about this, I'm more interested in debating, I mean when it comes to debating, I'm trying to learn how to debate with people who think it's okay to use animals. For food, clothing, etc., in general, and debate with them about why they should go vegan. I'm really not that interested personally myself in debating uh, people who are vegan and um, all that about um, why we shouldn't have pets. Because I don't think we're there yet. We we need to get out there and teach people about veganism. That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm not a very good debater. I'm trying to learn how to be a better debater. Um, I need more practice um, and what like more practice like this woman at this party who said some things and I was floored by them and didn't have an immediate response. I need to, how, uh, to know how to respond to people like my friend who said, well, doesn't she have a fur coat? You know when I'm saying? Um, you know, that I'm trying to teach um, Buddha how to crawl underneath blankets fully so that she can um, keep herself a little warmer. I mean, I, I can't, there's no central heating here, and I can't leave the electric heater on all day. That would be dangerous. Um, they do have electric blankets here, but um, I'm not going to leave an electric blanket on um, all day for her because it would be dangerous so I have to leave the house and like I say she's not freezing to death it's not a matter of I mean it doesn't get that cold here but you're still cold she's all curled up in a little ball with her little paws all tucked up underneath her and I've you know we've been together for a while and, and um, cats like to be warm okay they like to be warm I mean generally as a species they live in warm climates although of course there is the snow leopard and things but you know um, uh, when she's warm she's all laid out on her back, I mean, I have photos of her in New York where there is central heating, I mean, she's never been cold in her life because she's had central heating, I mean, the lucky thing for her is, the only, there was only one time that she was abandoned, and um, she was immediately um, adopted by the brother of the person who abandoned her, and even though he was very ignorant and, and, and almost brutal in his uh, treatment of her through ignorance, um, and I don't mean that he he spent his life torturing her, he just did not um, know how to uh, treat her properly, Um, he didn't even want her anyway, at the very least he did save her life, so she spent her whole life in apartments where there was central heating, and now she's here in New Zealand, and it gets, you know, it gets, it does, like I say, it's not deathly cold, but she's just sitting around cold all day, and I hate being cold, and as my friend says, she can't stand the cold, she hates the cold, it's just so awful, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, neither does your cat. Okay. Anyway, I need to stop. I hope I made it clear. Um, I think that when people go vegan and we see more and more the results of that in the world, we will start to recognize. People will look at animals differently, and they will look at anim- uh, domestic animals differently. It's very rare that I watch a dog being walked where I am feeling good for that dog. Um, uh, they're on a chain around their neck, and um, like I say, a lot of people just drag them along. They're so busy on their cell phones, the dogs can't even stop and sniff, and uh, all of you people out there who have dogs who don't do that, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying everybody does. I'm just uh, trying to wake people up to the idea of why it is inherently wrong to have animals as property. Period. Pets or not. Um, if you um, if you want to hear a you know really succinct ways of putting it, please go to um, com and also go to the links that um. I'll put on uh on this episode I'm just going to paste them into the commentary on the on the on the uh description of the episode. All right, thanks for listening and I'm sorry if I rambled and rambled um, I hope to have some more guests on soon um and we can talk about some more um things to do with vegan activism, veganism and um how we're going to uh help get this message out there. Oh, and my email address is NZVeganpodcast at me dot com and my blog address is NZVeganpodcast dot blogspot dot com Bye